Welcome to The Pursuit by Canal Pursuit Productions. The Pursuit is a verbal variety podcast that includes a little adventure, a little nostalgia, a little fitness, and a little mental health. Everybody mm. needs a little mental health. Everybody does. I'm here today with uh, Rhonda Park. And um, yeah, so let's get started with a little adventure. Ooh, adventure. <laughs> In early June of 2021, uh, our good friend, Debbie Bolton, and I decided that uh, we would hike the full length of the Bruce Trail, all 900 oh. plus kilometers. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Tell them a little bit more about the Bruce Trail. So the Bruce Trail is... 900 kilometers of... Mm-hmm. Of... Um, really old trail it's the it's canada's <laughs> longest footpath it runs from tobamori down to st catherine's yeah and it but is two, not not in a straight line not in a straight line north to south and it's uh, about two-thirds trail a third road um i first met debbie in 2016 when i pace ran for her during her first hundred mile race and since then, she's been a support runner for me in the Canal Pursuit for Mental Health, as well as spending a lot of time with me during my 200-mile run in October 2020. She's a mountain climber and has reached the summits of the highest peaks on six continents, including Denali in Alaska in June of last year. Go, Debbie, go! We've been doing weighted pack hikes together for the past two years, and we thought it would be a good thing to set a large goal, like the Bruce Trail, definitely large, um, to keep us motivated to train and to stay in shape. Wait, wait, wait. The Bruce demands a particular kind of shape. It does, definitely. Uh, And we started out in pretty decent shape, I think. Uh, We'll see as the story goes on. Um, this is part of that adventure. This is just day one, July 17th and 18th, uh, 2021. We started up in Tobermory at the north end around 8.30 in the morning. And our goal was to finish the day's hike in Lion's Head, uh, a distance of about 82 kilometers. I love how you say the days. The days. Yeah, we, the day meant um, we were probably not going to sleep before we finished, however long that was going to take. Um, since we both run long multi-day races, we're pretty confident, overconfident. Oh, Bruce. Yeah, that we could take 18 to 20 hours to hike this section. We didn't realize hiking was Bruce trail pace. <laughs> um, anyway, those 18 to 20 hours turned into 23 hours and 15 minutes. So, to start... Wait, wait, wait. What's the distance on that section in total? Um... I thought it was 82, it was around 84 and a half. Okay, so that's still an awesome time for Bruce Trail Pace. And we even had some nap time in there. So we, uh, Debbie lives in Cambridge, so we met, we both drove up separately. We each drove up separately. We both drove up separately. (laughs) You drove up separately? We did. Anyway, we left her car in in Lion's Head and uh, drove up to Tobermory in my car. And... um, Got some advice from the harbor master about where to park. And when we got to that parking place, there was a big sign that says no overnight parking. And we knew we needed to park overnight. So we did a little driving around and eventually found a spot on the street uh, where we could park overnight safely. And um, got out of the car, got our stuff out, get ready for our hike and had our first 
oh crap moment when Debbie realized that uh, she'd forgotten her trekking poles in her car. Oh no. In the lion's head. The poles are the only thing that saved me when I was walking on the Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. And she was pretty upset about it. In the first few kilometers of the hike, we picked up a couple of wooden sticks to use as uh, as walking sticks. And they were a little helpful, but more cumbersome than than anything when they were really needed and um, ended up giving her blistered hands. So that was a a lesson that uh, was well learned and never happened again. The first half of the distance from Tobermory to Lion's Head was almost all on rough trails with very few roads. Um, lots and lots of up and down, crazy rough terrain like ankle and leg breaking rocks and cracks and slopes. I thought we'd have plenty of time, so I packed lots of food, a stove, firewood, pots, utensils, bowls, a bunch of stuff in my big backpack. Um, but as the, the hike progressed, as the day progressed, we realized how slow we were and um, there was just no time to stop and make a fire to cook. Yeah, the whole idea of making it halfway is not the same when you're on Bruce Trail pace, that's mm. for sure. And the rocks, they're like slippery moon rocks with little indents that you could, you know, we called them cheese grater rocks. Mm. You could just store stuff in like puddles of water or... Yeah, yeah, or... Um... Or, uh, or moss, or slippery moss. So fortunately that day it wasn't very wet, but we, um, we uh, forged on. I knew that um, it was kind of, well, Bruce Trail pace is a pace where you have to watch every footfall, um, except for on the road sections, and there were very few of those. Uh, we saw three snakes that day. And uh, I was thinking maybe we'd see a Massasauga rattler. I knew one of them was a garter snake. I wasn't sure what the other two were. So but... up there on the north end of the Bruce, there are these uh, milk snakes. Okay. And they imitate rattlesnakes. They're um, very aggressive. They'll jump, they'll bite, they stick their tail up, they shake, but they don't make the sound. Mm. And that is the only distinguishing feature between them and a rattlesnake. Oh, wow. Um, and the Massasauga rattlers are lower south on the trail, down near Rattlesnake Point. And, right. Uh, okay. Right? So, and they're only about 12 inches long, the actual rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. And they're okay. the only poisonous snake that we have in Ontario. Yeah. Hmm. But those other milk snakes will still bite, so don't step on them. Don't step on them. By the time we got close to the halfway mark, um, we realized it was going to be a really long day. Again, Bruce Trail Pace. Yeah, it was really warm during the day and we had brought what we thought was too much water. So planning what I was going to carry, my thinking was that I have to find a balance between the expense in energy of carrying too much water and the risk of carrying too little water. Um, and so, that talks about dehydration and this whole idea of a solo adventure and where are you going to stop. And when I was on the Bruce, I had a faithful companion trucking food along the entire way so I could refuel whenever I wanted. Mm -hmm. But the biggest sort of balance um, when you run out of fuel or when you're not hydrating enough, you get this brain fog and dehydration and I'm sure you notice muscle cramps too. But that can bring your mood down, right? This whole, I'm not enjoying this anymore, why am I in it? That kind of mm -hmm. battle with your insides. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and the decision-making 
when you're in a place where you need, where you need to make better decisions, your decision making's hampered, right? We're halfway to Lion's Head. We ran out of water. So I was getting fairly dehydrated. Just before coming out onto the road, there's quite a long, well, quite a long, maybe a couple kilometers of um, like an ATV trail. And as we were walking out, I, my legs started, my left leg started to cramp. And um, there a couple times I had to stop. I ended up finishing all of my water. I drank a little bit of Debbie's, took some electrolytes and um, was getting kind of worried. So as we were on the road, uh, I knew it was the only section of road and um, the only place where we might see some people. We kept our eye out for any signs of life in, in, at these houses and um, saw a house with a horse in the side yard. And as we're passing the driveway, I saw someone moving outside and immediately started walking up the driveway to talk to the people that we saw. And um, this is uh, a little bit after I had uh, gone down to Mexico with some friends and um, on pulling and parking in people's driveways and farm fields had a couple people passive aggressively say something like, you know, some people around here would shoot trespassers first and ask questions later. So I did my best to uh, appear needy and unthreatening. But remembering that this is Canada, so you were fine. I was fine. There, uh, there was um, a guy in a in a power wheelchair and a woman uh, outside moving some things across the yard as as we approached. It wasn't wasn't necessary to be on my guard. They were very friendly, and um, uh, we chatted with them for a little while. They had seen thousands of Bruce Trail hikers over the years, had given up water many many times, and we chatted for a while. While the lady was filling our water bottles, we took the opportunity to eat a little food and we were told that the trail uh, to Lion's Head was not going to be any easier than the trail we had just hiked and that right after dark the mosquitoes would be pretty bad. Um, so we continued on and sure enough as soon as it was twilight the mosquitoes came out hungry, <laughs> really hungry. What we're... do they eat when they can't get a hobbit? Yeah. Ultra runners. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it kind of makes you think when, uh, if I wasn't there, what would they be eating? We didn't see very much for wild animals, but anyway, we were in the cover of the trees most of the time, so there was no breeze to keep them away, and, uh, and they were relentless. Through the rest of the night, we stopped to apply bug spray four times. Um, later in the night, and this was a huge surprise, I'd never seen this before, uh, inchworms started descending from the trees. So as we're walking with headlamps, um, we're very focused on our footing because the trail is so rough, you just focus on that four or six feet in front of you with your headlamp. And every once in a while, you, um, I would lift my head up to see a little bit further ahead. And as I lifted my head up, I'd see... Um, aliens attacking? Aliens attacking. This about a dozen or two dozen little glints of thread as these... Um, webs were hanging down or threads were hanging down and at the end of each one was an inchworm and it was like a horror movie there was no escaping the inchworms they were always in your face you know that feeling you walk through a spider web and it's everywhere you can Get feel it, off it. Me. it's touching me it's touching my nose and i spent um dude that's what guide runners are for <laughs> yeah exactly well the problem is debbie when I when Debbie and I hike, she's always uh, ahead of me. I follow her, and she's a foot shorter than so me. So you got to clear all the so, top shelf inchworms. Yeah. So 
so I um, I spent about four hours clawing at the spider webs that were trailing behind my head and brushing inchworms off of my arms and legs. And they bite, they right? Do, inchworms? They do. I guess yeah. they're not very aggressive, but when you pinch them in your clothing or in the crook of your elbow, they, they mm-hmm. bite. So in this whole idea about not being able to escape, that's an interesting concept. That's kind of what every ultra run looks like after a while, right? You're in the middle of it, you're in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden you're in it. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, no escape. You've got to decide, do I want to do these you know, 88 kilometers again, or do I just finish and get through whatever I'm doing? Um, and for me, it was always, wait 10 minutes, you'll have something new to complain about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around midnight, we were so tired, there was something to complain about. We just wanted to take a nap. And uh, we were kind of discouraged. It was taking us longer than we thought. And there's that mental thing again. So we wanted to lay down. Um, so we found we found what we thought was a good spot right at the edge of the escarpment on this nice flat rock overlooking the dark water. Okay, now for those non-Canadian haven't seen the Bruce escarpment, you're talking, what, 200 feet up? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're lying on a rock um, beside a, a sheer 200-foot drop down to the broken rocks at the bottom. Um, death to the left death to the left we both took off our packs and just kind of leaned against our packs and nodded off and um, had a few minutes of kind of fitful sleep because always in the back of my mind is what if I kind of turn over and just roll off the edge of this cliff and die so we didn't sleep very well when when you and Debbie and I did blue blazes on the Toronto section in Mm -hmm. the winter a few years before pandemic we actually watched you slide on the ice and tumble towards the edge of the escarpment. And neither one of us could move because we were like, this is it. This is, we can do nothing to stop that 200 foot drop off the escarpment. I can't imagine trying to sleep there and knowing how impending that drop would be right, right beside you. It, it was warmer. It was warmer. Yes, it was in January. Oh, man. Um, about three or four hours later. Uh, still exhausted or exhausted again, uh, we came across a house that was right on the trail. Um, it was it was kind of strange to us, so we didn't expect a house on the trail, and it looked like it was abandoned because we went up on the deck and looked in the windows in the room that we were looking into. There was no furniture. Um, we tried the door, and the door was locked and didn't want to force anything, so we laid down on the deck for a nap, and the deck had quarter inch gaps between every board and there was this light breeze blowing up <laughs> through the so it board it wasn't warmer so we woke up shivering again um and yeah we had a little bit to eat and, and got moving again um but never took out your stove never took out the stove no no there's that brain fog thing again right I had wood and everything, matches. Everything. You were ready. You just wanted to continue your weighted hikes. I just wanted to get out. That was funny. The, 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 the feeling was, um, the, well, I guess the knowledge was, the only way to get to our car is to keep walking. Keep moving. One step, then another. Um, so the second half of that hike um, was only slightly less rough terrain than the first half. But uh, there seemed to be a lot more loose rocks. And of course, we were doing it in the dark. Um, so, second half, I um, I was starting to feel kind of nauseous, but ate and drank anyway because I need the fuel, right? 
Um, but and that's where the practice of ultra running comes in. When you've done those things, you know, it doesn't matter how I feel. If I don't eat to compete and eat to recover, I'm not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you're not just drinking for now or eating for now. you got to drive home still. And it's a good four hours, isn't it, from here to there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 When we knew we were only a few kilometers from the end, um, I looked at my GPS and saw a road that was really close to the trail. So I could zoom in and I could see the trail going right beside this road. Um, so we made the decision we wanted to take that road as a shortcut. And the next time we came out, we would do that that five kilometer section or, or whatever it was. And when we got close, got to the place where we could see the road, we could actually see the road from the trail. It was down, it was a, down a 200 foot cliff and we couldn't get down there. There's only one way to do so, that. So... Um, yeah, we were at the top. So we continued on the rough trail and finally made it to the last 5k that I, uh, that I thought was only a road as you're getting into Tobermory, uh, sorry, into Lion's Head. Uh, we were parked at the marina. Uh, I was so relieved that we couldn't, we wouldn't have to climb any more slopes or any, any more rocks, but the last 400 meters or so is a little rocky trail that goes up a slope and a flight of steep stairs. It was kind of like the Bruce Trail was taunting us, showing never, us who's boss. Never underestimate the Bruce. <laughs> you could be having a great five minutes and then like the skies will open up and you'll get downpoured on. Or Oh man, never, yeah. never say it's only 400 meters. The Bruce Trail demands our respect and showed us why on that day. Let's take a look at something old. This is your nostalgia. That's it. Today's topic, where were you when you heard that Elvis died? In 1977. Dude, I was minus one. Minus one. Um, I was working for the railroad, kind of underage. I was supposed to be 18 uh, to work on this, uh, on this gang, but I was only 17. And my dad had helped me with my job application. Go, dad, go. Go, dad. Uh, I was on a rail gang lifting track joints in the Fort Francis subdivision in northwestern Ontario. We lived in um, bunk houses that were kind of boxcars converted into sleeping quarters. And our bunk cars were parked in Alcona, Ontario, uh, just outside Fort Francis. Things you remember at these times, right? I remember coming back to the bunkhouse after the day on the track, when it was really hot August days, and instead of music on my transistor radio, um, I heard the news that Elvis was dead. And it, I think it wasn't a life-changing thing for me, but I remember hearing the news and being kind of surprised as if I thought he would have lived forever, right? In a way, he kind of did. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't say Elvis Presley without everybody knowing who that is. Yeah. It seems pretty landmark in history. Mm-hmm. How about now we take a look at a stretch of the day? by sponsored by park massage therapy yeah that's me okay so today's stretch of the day is going to be super simple because nobody likes to stretch and nobody has time for these things so the very first thing i want you to do is find a comfortable spot sitting or standing um gonna be thinking about absolutely nothing just sort of being there in your own skin and your body finding the boundaries of whatever that means to you And now imagine a string from the top of your head up to the sky, up to the heavens. And that string is going to get pulled a little bit, which will pull you up straight, which will instantly pull your shoulders back without you having to think about it 
It's going to realign your low back curve. It's going to reset your hip balance. You might find if you're sitting with your legs crossed at your desk that you'll just un uncross them and find yourself in a more comfortable position. Uh, and take a few deep breaths once you've done that. And that is your whole stretch of the day. All right. Um, a little bit of fitness news. This, uh, this showed up recently on, um, on my news feed. The owner of a British gym led a team of climbers on Mira Peak in Nepal in a 30-minute fitness class at an altitude of 19,803 feet to break a Guinness World Record. I think I'd barf that high up. I think so. Tim, Tim uh, Meganson, owner of uh, Body Shape Fitness in Ely, England, taught the class after nine days of climbing. So they didn't just fly up there. Nine days of climbing with his eight companions. Um, he stayed at, we stayed at high camp on Mira Peak on the 10th day. We reached the summit on Mira Peak at 19,803 feet, Meganson said. He said he aimed to beat the previous record of 18,000 feet, which was set on Mount Kilimanjaro in 2021. He said everybody committed to the task and everyone went in with a positive mindset. He said his climb also featured an attempt at the highest altitude game of chess. Okay, so I can't play chess to begin with, but if you took away all my brain capacity at that high of an altitude, yeah, we could play checkers. The um, article didn't say if that attempt was successful or not. <laughs> A little mental health news. Mood Disorder Society of Canada's 2022 Mental Health Care System Survey was conducted between uh, July 15th and August 7th, 2022 as a follow-up to similar surveys that they had done in 2011 and 2015. Um, it received over 1,900 responses, and here are a couple of the main highlights. The first one is, well, no surprise here, Canada's mental health care system is perceived to still need improvements. Hmm. Notably, uh, with rural and remote access to mental health care, employment and housing services for people with mental illness, family support, and inclusivity of persons with mental illness. There continues to be a strong desire for the government of Canada to prioritize various aspects of mental health in the areas I mentioned just now, as well as um, supporting collaborative approaches and coordinated mental health research. Um, the second thing to come out of that survey is um, experience with mental health is unchanged from 2015 results. The majority of respondents have been dealing with mental illness for more than 10 years, either firsthand or being a family member or caregiver of uh, someone with mental illness. The most common types of mental illness uh, experienced overall includes depression and dysthemia and anxiety disorders. Of note, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is far more reported this year compared to 2015. Uh, for a detailed look at the survey results, go to MDSC, short for Mood Disorder Society of Canada, .ca, and look in the latest news section. So remind me, when was that survey from? Uh, this year, August, or sorry, July 15th to August, 20, or August 7th. So 2022. 2022. Um, and they did it to compare that same information to surveys they had done in 2011 and 2015, 2015. for trend tracking. They definitely have made a switch over the last 20 years from using the term mental illness to mental health, mm -hmm. which I find helpful. But the idea that Canada uh, still needs some work in terms of how they 
promote and uh, roll out mental health programs, a lot of my clients would tell you it's patchwork and you could qualify for some things based on your income level but not others or you could pay for your own if you're at a different income level if you have extra money mm -hmm. but in our economy right now that's tricky for anyone um, and this whole idea recently about post-pandemic stress have you heard anything about that no not 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 in any detail no so the idea globally we've had such a huge death rate that it's almost like having been in a world war. We don't have any blame or place to put that global loss. Mm -hmm. And having been in quarantine and lockdowns for so long, we're all at a low social tolerance. So you might find recently, if you've gone out to a concert or out to dinner, that you used to be able to do two or, those, two or three of those things in a day or in a week, but now one, and then you need a whole week off from people. It's too people-y out there because mm -hmm. we're just not used to it. We're not used to putting that front on to be social and socially acceptable and adapted in different situations. Um, but from all this, there's this new increased awareness of what it means to be suffering from mental health issues. And that brings a new community forefront too, especially in a socially media driven society and and then new ideas of how to take care of ourselves which is kind of what i would like to know next mm -hmm. what are some ways that um your audience is taking care of themselves what are some good tips and tricks that people have been doing for their own self-care and i would ask you the same thing clay mm -hmm. what, have, what have you been doing at home yeah, something that's really important to me is um, is a few minutes, and it's not a long time, but a few minutes of just me time, uh, disconnected and relaxing. I do some stretching um, every morning, just those first few minutes when I uh, when I get up to, because for a long time the first thing I would do is look at my phone and see the the news and check emails and all the all the stuff so Jump immediately right immediately yeah. get bombarded right um but um yeah and now we take the uh, a little bit of time a few minutes to start off the uh start off the fly flywheel of life a little more slowly in the morning um and i've got a i've got a sauna in the backyard and it's one of the cool things about thermal insulation that's in a sauna is it's also sound insulation so it's um shuts out the world it's quiet and it's solitary and i don't get any cell reception in there and yeah awesome mm -hmm. the quiet time what about you uh two things i've been doing recently because every season and phase requires something different i think um, I have a bowl, I have a chalkboard in my dining room, so if I am reading a book that I like a quote from, I write it up there, look at it for a few weeks just so I can absorb it a bit more. So currently it says you can have comfort or you can have courage, but you can't have both. And then my other uh, self-care recently has been to take an old coffee can and turn it into my can-can. So I challenge myself every time I have a negative self-dialogue, which is oh so frequent for most of us to take out a pen and scrap piece of paper and write something that I can do because a lot of the times we forget the simple things like I can go to the gym and exercise, I can take 10 minutes to read a book, I can whatever, engage with a friend today mm -hmm. um, and hopefully there'll be enough in there that I can eventually take them out to read when I'm having those mm -hmm. self-negative 
dialogues. Wow. That's kind of cool. And here's the can-can. So, um, I think that's it. That's the end of our, uh, let's call this a broadcast. Or is it a podcast? It's a podcast. It's a podcast. We're not very broad. I feel like you're older than dirt. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe or you'll miss episodes uh, because there are 11 more parts to this Bruce Trail story. It was a long and winding road. Footpath. Footpath. <laughs> Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye.